I, I would say two words, the future. I think we need to be thinking about the future. We need to be deciding on the future. We need to be building our future. And it's on us to dream of a better world and a better way we want to live. All right, we are back. Uh, me and Aiden are back in the studio after a long vacation. Um, it's been a pretty crazy July, and a lot has happened since our last episode. I was studying for the bar. Um, Aiden had some big board meetings and just work obligations, and we've just been um, just really, just really in it. But uh, we're back, and we are excited to come back from this uh, little vacation um, and talk about everything that has happened because there there is no shortage so apologies if we run a little long today yeah no i think thanks for the intro john it's it's been a while i feel kind of uh getting used to the, the microphone warming her up a bit um i i, I think that it's we were talking before we hopped on the podcast just about the state of the elections with kind of our looming election of trump or biden in november and what's been going on in Belarus and the controversy there of a longtime standing president who's not giving up power and just kind of these general trends we're seeing around the world over the last few months. We recently had the um, explosion in uh, Beirut and there's been an uprising there. And John, it has me thinking just about like the state of global politics feels like there's 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 just not one government it feels like that's doing the right thing for its people right now be, besides like New Zealand like I, it just feels like there's just like a every, every people kind of are not a, a huge fan of their government right now yeah it's an interesting time for sure and i think the you know i think the current zeitgeist of the moment really is this kind of a authoritarian tendency and you said something uh, great I think before we we hopped on the podcast um, you know we're just seeing this this kind of global uprising of popular movements and those in power not willing to cede it and I think that uh, that's kind of just the general um, that's that's just kind of the general trend that's that's happening in in numerous countries right now um, and in so many places it just appears that we're we're in an impasse or nearing a, a possible breaking point um, obviously in the United States, we are heading toward the election, which can you believe it is coming up on 90 days. If, if it feels, it feels like it's just around the corner, right? And it, we were saying like, in some ways the, the, the protests and the, and the, the social unrest in some ways is in the kind of a, a less of a volatile state right now. But as we get closer to that early November timing, it's, it feels like the world could really change dramatically depending on what the outcome is. Definitely. And uh, so I just kind of want to go over just a, maybe a quick overview of what's been happening stateside and then maybe touch on a couple things that have happened around the world um, before we dive too deep into this podcast. We jumped into this, uh, I believe it was around the beginning of July. Um, at that time, we hadn't even seen this. Uh, we hadn't even seen the full force of this, this spike of cases again. Um, and so over the month of July and the beginning of August, we saw a resurgence of cases here in the United States. Obviously, we ramped up our testing, which is part of it. We also have recently uh, seen a spike in deaths as well. Um, so it's, it's clear that uh, COVID-19, that issue is not going away in the United States. Um, in addition to that, protests have continued. Uh, Trump mobilized the Department of Homeland Security in Portland um, and a few other cities. 
they've since drawn back, but protests continue. Um, and tensions are, are still high. Um, you know, Aiden, you characterized us as being in a bit of a lull period, which, which I do think is accurate. Um, but things are certainly not uh, things are certainly not, I would say, calm. Um, and I think there's a lot of tension on on all sides um, when it comes to American politics. Um, is there anything else stateside that I'm missing? No, I mean, I would say just notable uh, the. Senator or Congressman John Lewis um, that recently passed is ex- extremely notable. Um, he was a, a, a luminary of the, the civil rights movement, and it's really a, a change of an, of an era. Of um, and I think he he had a piece that he published, I think, in the Wall Street Journal that he wanted to share upon his death, um, just about the, the work that he did, and now he's kind of passing the, chor- the torch to the next generation um, for, for activism and, and, and civil rights. Um, so I, I think he's an important part of um, kind of this this new era of how we're going to address these issues that he's been he's been fighting for for so long. Yeah, definitely, and I'm I'm glad you bring that up because I think that moving forward it's going to be really um, meaningful how these young activists who have been a lot of the the leaders of these movements um, decide to move forward. Um, if they're going to kind of emulate the civil rights movement, obviously you know circumstances are different than back then. Um, so, and, and we're facing, um, you know, some of the same challenges, but some different challenges. Um, and, and we'll see how some of these young leaders and these young activists um, handle things moving forward, because I think not only um, will it determine how we address uh, social justice going forward, but I think that'll have lasting implications and, and major implications on the election in a couple months and just on just on politics in general, you know, the way the way this movement um, continues to uh, kind of unfold. Totally. One other thing, John, just real quick on just like giving kind of a quick recap. I think a month ago, it was early July, um, and we started to see a slow kind of rebound in the, the recovery of the economy. And since then, we've seen a complete V-shape. Um, and it's it's been quite shocking, really, of just how much the economy has rallied. And you're seeing these tweets of kind of warfare of the billionaires getting richer, right? and um, the poor getting poorer and just how dramatic that these effects are when you have this massive economic hardship and job loss but the equity in this the stock markets are is going up and so people who have equity and ownership um are, are really doing quite are doing fine d- during all of this um and it's just it's just showing just the how how our economy works so differently for so many different people and that's another great point, and that, that's kind of where I was going to. It, it's been really interesting to see that unfold. And I think we've seen a little bit of an awakening of a class consciousness um, in the United States that, um, you know, maybe maybe some people had. We obviously had, had, had movements in the past during the Obama administration, right, like the, the 99% um, movement and the, the uh, you know, uh, protests uh, against Wall Street. Um, but, you know, as this uh, uh, COVID has really impacted our economy, like you said, I think it's it's laid some of these inequalities bare and and then increased inequality. Um, we got some recent economic data um, that showed uh, the United States GDP um, taking a major blow. Um, recently, we looked at the jobs report for July, and um, it looks like the economic recovery is slowing. Um, we're back down just under 11% unemployment, which is still high by any historical standard. And uh, millennials have been one of the hardest hit groups. Um, 
you know, there's a lot of millennials who are kind of in the working class, right, in these service industries, um, and uh, they haven't fully recovered. Um, it'll it'll be really interesting to see how all this plays out. Um, I think uh, it'll be interesting to see what Congress and uh, President Trump decide to do, and if there's any kind of uh, way that the you know American government is going to um, come together to offer any solutions prior to the election. I know Trump's made made some recent unilateral moves on the economic side that look like they'll probably be challenged. But uh, do you do you have any any other opinions on the state of the economy right now? No, I mean I just think it's like the, the biggest thing that I've been tracking on is just this the amount that the Fed is printing um, and the amount of dollars that are flowing into the economy. And what's interesting is that it, it actually is helping other economies around the world um, because you're seeing the devaluing of the dollar. Um, and so other economies who have debt in U.S. denominated dollars are able to, to um, have a little bit of help now because the dollar is less valuable. Um, but it's hurting Americans and it's hurting people's buying power. Um, people are going to go to the store and buy less at the grocery store. Um, and honestly, quite, quite frankly, when I've been thinking about my personal portfolio, um, I've been thinking a lot about Bitcoin lately. Um, and the fact that what's been killing the poor in America is the fact that every dollar they save um, is becoming more, less and less valuable. And uh, inflation is one of the, the biggest crimes. And when you think about Bitcoin being a finite supply, deflationary values where it can um, th- there's, it's a scarce resource and it, it, it could be something that could help the bottom of the, the kind of – uh, the people in most poverty, because um, it, it's something that could grow with time. Yeah, I think that's an important issue. Um, and I, I think it's certainly something that needs to be discussed. Just kind of just circling back a little bit um, to the general economic trends, which you, I think, put pretty succinctly. Um, you know, we're seeing we're seeing some of the uh, the, the wealthy uh doing fairly well um, during this period, um, during this economic downturn, um, while uh, the working class is, is facing serious challenges. Um, you know, inflation is a problem, um, but then also just like not being able to go to work and earn a living. Um, how we address unemployment, uh, and, and that goes kind of back to the point you made about inflation, is going to be really important. Um, but I think one thing that kind of encapsulates the moment that we're in right now, and we've talked about this a little bit, is the argument, uh, the arguments that have kind of been unfolding, uh, some on Twitter, uh, some of the news between um, people like Bernie Sanders and Elon Musk. In the past, you'd think that people like Elon Musk, is the one that really popularized electric vehicles in the United States, uh, would be uh, really appealing to progressives who want to see right? More electric vehicles, more sustainable environment, um, innovation, forward thinking. But there seems to be this uh, this disconnect even between people uh, like Elon Musk and then um, the left of uh, political life in America. Yeah, I think it's a shame that the, the left is attacking Elon um, personally. I, and I know not everyone kind of... Um, but, I mean, he has done so much for accelerating... Um, green technology um, and created so much value for society and he has tied all of his net worth into the company that he's built has employed thousands of people um, and 
the fact that kind of the AOC and Bernie are trying to to bring him. It, this seems like they just got the wrong guy. Um, I mean, he's he, it just it's it, so many people stand behind him, and I feel like it's actually causing more divide. I, I have a I have a friend who identifies as being very left, but is very pro Elon, and has was very turned off um, by the way that the left was reacting to Elon, and felt that it was very out of out of place and out of uh, out of touch. I'm curious, kind of your thoughts, John. The the first thing I want to say, I want to give some credit where it's due because I think that almost single handedly, Elon Musk has made electric vehicles cool, right? Like he's proved that like people want to own one. He's kind of popularized them in the mainstream culture. They're popular with not only liberals and young people, but they're also popular with your suburban conservatives and um, uh, corporate world. And think the the fact that I can even think about buying um, maybe like a secondhand like electric vehicle or Tesla is at least in part like due to due to Elon Musk and everything that they've done. Um, but I also think that I also think that there's there's I, I'm I'm going to disagree with you though because I think that the left um, there's some there's some legitimate criticisms of Elon Musk on the left and just the billionaire class in general. You might be right. Maybe they maybe they have the wrong target and their energy isn't best directed at him. But I, I do think that Elon um, there there are certain things that he hasn't done perfectly, and I think that he's been a, a beneficiary of a very um, very unequal uh, society. Um, and, and I also think that some of the things that he criticizes, um, like, uh, you know, Bernie Sanders' desire to increase unemployment benefits um, in, in a more sustained and permanent way, um, it strikes me as a little bit hip- hypocritical, just considering that, you know, he's received, um, you know, billions of dollars in government mm-hmm. subsidies. He has been uh, leveraging local governments to give his companies tax breaks in order to uh, build um, his facilities, so so I think that that that's part of the reason why um, people on the left are so frustrated. And then the other part of that is like we 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 have to also be honest about the impact that electric vehicles have because certainly I think that they are part of the solution, um, but I don't think they are the full solution. Certainly, Elon Musk likes to he I think he tries to kind of style himself as an environmentalist. Um, who's looking to shake up the automobile industry and reduce our dependence on oil and gas. Um, but the reality is that, first of all, he has made contributions um, to uh, uh, conservative politicians who um, have not supported environmental policies in the past. And that could just be a product of right wanting to get your foot in the door with the government and everything like that. Um, however, when you, when you actually look at electric vehicles and the production of them in general, I'm just looking at some statistics here. Um, that uh, that say that the production of, a, in a, of an electric vehicle it, uh, is more carbon intensive than the production of a normal automobile. And depending on how long that electric vehicle is in use, um, then there may be right a net benefit right in, in a, a lower carbon footprint. But, but we also can't forget that there are um, serious environmental issues um, that I, I think Elon has failed to perfectly address. Um, just in the electric vehicle industry, like he's gotten tons of complaints. The California government has lodged many environmental complaints against him. Um, the exploitation of lithium resources from third world countries and using uh, using subsidiaries to kind of take advantage of child labor. That's been another problem. And, you know, he's been complicit in those problems. And I think that the left's anger is really at the billionaire oh. class. And I think Elon is a very visible figure. 
that they want to you know take take out that anger and and there are certain things to point to that are justified yeah i guess i'll make a few points on on your points is that i think it's the government's job to create policy to incentivize economic innovation and relatively speaking the electric car market has got very little public subsidies compared to the oil and gas industry or or other i mean 4.3 billion dollars is relatively small in subsidies compared to the hundreds of billions of dollars that have been given to for example, just the airline industry alone, or um, oil and gas, um, like y- you name it, at Wall Street. Um, and I think that, yeah, electric cars do have still a negative effect on the environment. But the question is, do we stay on gas or do we try to move to electric cars? And yeah, it's going to take a long time and we're going to need to find ways to make it environmentally more sustainable. Um and a lot of what we're still using for the energy is coming from oil and gas, right? And until we're creating a fully sustainable um, economy of battery storage, solar panels, and removing ourselves from all the kind of mineral mining that's causing so much economic disparity, then it, it's it's going to take some time. But it's no doubt that this is a, a step in kind of the, the right direction. And I think any country in the world would be grateful if Tesla was started there. The amount of jobs, the type of innovation, the GDP growth, leading the charge on electric cars. I mean, Germany, Japan, these countries would die for this electric car maker. And it's a shame that, like, you're having so many people want to outset and say, like, oh, like, they're not doing this fair or this, that. Like, this, they are, I think, doing, like, they're such a good company for the U.S. and we should be kind of, and, and for the world, and we should be very proud of, of, of what they're doing. And, and I, I agree. You know, I think a lot of countries would like to have have a company like Tesla in their country. I don't may, I, I might not think that is as universal as, as you think it is, but, but I, I agree with you in general. Do you think, though, that do you think that companies like Tesla are, are good for the, the average people, for, for, the, for the working class, and then for some of these third world countries that have been exploited uh, by companies like Tesla in the past? Um, and are still suffering from um, the, the the consequences of that exploitation. I guess I would like to le- learn a little bit more about the exploitation exploitation that you're talking about specifically, because it's not something that I have learned a lot about. But if there's like, um, if they're using some child labor factory in a third world country, and for some like that's not something I'm aware of now. Um, so yeah, I would love to learn more about that and maybe my views would change. Yeah, so I'm actually looking at a, a recent United Nations report um, that uh, talking about Tesla, uh, warning that the raw materials used in electric car batteries um, are highly concentrated in a small number of countries where environmental labor and regulations are either weak or completely non-existent. For sure. So the, the, the battery production, just that's just one tiny example, but the battery production for these- Which is huge of it. Electric vehicles is just driving this, this boom in cobalt production and places like the Democratic Republic of Congo, um, like these mines have been found by reputable institutions. I mean, the United, the United Nations report itself has found that in countries like the Democratic uh, Republic of Congo, there are dangerous and, and rife examples of, of the employment of child labor. Um, and, and it's not that necessarily Tesla, the way Tesla, I think, works mostly is that they don't, they don't uh, engage in this themselves, but they contract with parties who uh, do this mining. Um, so, you know, I, I think we, we you know, I, I think some of the problems that, that companies like Tesla have is just the broader pop problem of 
capitalism in general. And this kind of, I think, gets back almost a little bit to where we kind of started off. Um, I, I think that I think that just in general, the gains um, from the modern economy have not been widespread um, have, and have not been spread equitably. And I think that's part of the reason why we're seeing such a, a massive uprising um, in countries all over the world, not just the United States. Um, but I think there is a separation between the people who are really benefiting um, from this, these, in, these inventions and these uh, innovations that I do, th I do agree with you. Like I think in, in, uh, in principle are, are good, um, but are, are they really that good if they're not being, if they're not being felt by all? Um, and, and I think that's a question. And you might disagree with that premise. No, I mean, I think it'd be great if you can spread these innovations to all. Um, I think the question is, um, in baked in reality, is like these things are all naturally very expensive to start. I mean, like the reason why the electric car was never created, for example, for so long in the way that it was, is because it was so expensive. Um, and Elon has rapidly de decreased the cost of it, right? Um, and I think overall, you might have people who can invest in a Tesla and it might be self-driving one day, it might be electric, and it might be passive income for people who made that investment. And I, I think the the biggest thing that's the issue is that like the, the poor people around the world aren't participating in the global economy compared to the, the wealthy people. They, they probably don't, they're uh, working hourly. They don't have benefits. Um, they don't own real estate or stocks. Um, their dollars deflating or inflating. Um, and so, and everything else is going up in cost. Um, and their salaries aren't going up, their um, wages aren't going up to match that. So it's putting them in this position where each year they are just becoming more and more marginalized to the point where we've had this breaking point over the last um, few months. Yeah, no, I think that's a great point. Um, and I think moving forward, it's just going to be up to, it's going to be really up to all of us, uh, particularly the, the people in power, um, both in the private sector and in government, to really consider um, how we move forward in ways that are both, like you said, it has to be practical, right? Like we can't stifle, I don't think we can stifle innovation. I mean, so, some people don't even, some people don't share this worldview. Some people believe that we need a completely equal society now and that we shouldn't move forward before we get that. But in my view, I don't think, I don't think that that's reasonable. And I think that would push uh, society as a whole actually backward. Um, but but I do think it is worth thinking about how can we create a more equitable society uh, where the gains are, are being felt by by all. And I think if we're not really steadfast and at least paying attention and thinking about that, um, then naturally we're going to consider the interests of uh, the powerful and, and, and the rich because those are the ones that have really kind of captured a lot of these government institutions. I, I just had like a hot idea. So like... Um so I think that like universal basic income is an interesting idea that I think we might actually see in our lifetime um, because I do think with automation and these trends, it just is going to make more and more sense. But also like everyone, like only 51% of Americans are in the stock market who are older than 18 and can be, which is like, like that's so sad how low it is. Um, it's like 50%. It's like maybe less than 50% around there. Um, Everyone should have exposure to the S&P 500, the index. Every single American. Every, if, if our American companies are socially responsible and doing well, 
every American should benefit from its growth, and, and you should be able to have ownership in the uh, U.S. economy by having – and either the U.S. government gives out those stocks to people and you can choose to liquidate it or you can choose to hold it, whatever it is. But it, it creates this type of um, global or uh, national sense of identity that we all ships rise when we all do well type thing. I actually think that's a fantastic idea, and I think that's kind of been one of the main complaints, right, is that like – uh, you know, there's this segment of people that are benefiting from the stock market, and then there's a segment who are getting uh, totally left behind and, and, are, and literally are just fighting for scraps, um, you know, working their day jobs. And I think if people could be given the resources to do exactly what you're saying, and I think there's a, a, a few different ways you could conceive of that, um, then, then I, I think that would also just create more more solidarity, right? And and uh, connectedness, connectedness, and maybe like even like class collaboration um, instead of these like class attacking. Yeah, it's horrible. And I think like no society in all of history has done well when there's been such divide between the rich and the poor. It's it's a recipe for it's a recipe for disaster. And if we can't get our our poor and our rich to to feel like we're on the same team um, and come together, and ultimately it's bad for everybody. I think because it like in the long run it will be, I think, unsustainable for the rich too. Or, oh yeah, of course. E- even if it's not, even if say like rich people can go on being rich forever, like it just it creates a society that's not it's you know this is no pun intended. It creates a society that's not that like rich culturally, um, socially, right? Like it creates a society that's very limited and very segmented. And I don't think any of us, um, at least those of us who uh, have like like deep humanist values want, like, you know, we, I think we want, we want all ships to rise, you know, totally. to share that, share that like belief. And I think, and I think that, I think that's such an interesting solution. And we should, we should look into that a little bit more. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, so I mean, I think that's a, I think that's kind of a, um, a good place to wrap up um, our discussion. Just, I do want to make a couple more notes just for posterity. Um, there's been some developments internationally as well um, in the last few days. Uh, we saw an explosion in Beirut, uh, Lebanon, which looks like it's now killed hundreds of people and injured injured thousands more. Um, we are uh, seeing, uh, you know, some discontent um, across the world. Some notable places are um, uh, Israel, um, Belarus. Uh, there's a, there's some political fervor going on there. Do you want to do you want to just give us a little uh, uh, tell us a little bit about what's going on there? Well, just the, the the party in power is not willing to give up power, um, and there's it seems like there's um, some it's people are thinking there's some fraud with uh, the incumbent that was that was coming in, um, and it could be some interesting foreshadowing for the the U.S. election this, this fall. Definitely, uh, one other thing I want to mention is uh, the Trump administration just issued an order to uh, force. Uh, uh, TikTok to be sold uh, to an Amer- to an American uh, company or uh, cease operations in the United States. There's there's also been some other uh, escalation um, in uh, U.S.-China relations recently, um, and uh, we we uh, we are definitely in a period of of, of pretty high tensions uh, between arguably the the two strongest uh, global superpowers. Uh, so I also wanted to make a note of that. Um, Anything else? Anything else notable that you want to uh, add here? No, I, I, I don't think there's anything that's uh, the, the the biggest thing is just this 
the fact that the whole world is continually dealing with COVID, that there's this kind of this feeling that there's no end in sight. And you just feel like you have this kind of like intense tension between the people and government all around the world and between different governments. And it feels like everyone personally is on edge and the world's on edge with each other. Um, and it, it makes for interesting times. Yeah, certainly makes for interesting times uh, that, uh, you know, in, in a year we may think that's the, the greatest understatement of all times. Certainly interesting. Um, and uh, we'll, we'll see how everything unfolds, but we will be here and we will uh, be, doing, be doing our part to share some information and uh, feels good to be back in the studio. Good to be back. And uh, we'll just keep this ball rolling, I think. Awesome. Uh, we'll see you guys uh, next time, and uh, that's all for us. Okay, so uh, in the midst of everything going on right now, I think uh, we at least need to talk about something that we're both passionate about, um, which is basketball, uh, and haven't been able to hoop as much, but on the bright side, the NBA is back, Um any predictions on the winner? Um, and you know, I've seen this cool trend happening lately with the with the uh, you know social messages on the back of jerseys. And also wondering, AG, if if you know you can pick a winner for us and tell us what message you display on the back of your jersey. Fuck yeah, man! It's such a great question. Thanks for thanks for putting this one down. So it's got to be the Lakers. I need to see LeBron win the title. Just no questions asked. And then in terms of the message on the back, I, I would say two words, the future. I think we need to be thinking about the future. We need to be deciding on the future. We need to be building our future. And it's on us to dream of a better world and a better way we want to live. And so we need to start to be dreaming more. So think about the future. I love that. I mean, that's that's totally par, par for the course with, uh, you know, just your way of thinking, which I love and I really admire, man. Um Dude, that sucks because I got I got to say the Lakers too. I mean, I want to see LeBron win another one. We both love LeBron, so there's yeah, not a lot of, <laughs> there's not a lot of room for <laughs> argument there, unfortunately. But you know, as far as message goes, uh, yeah, I'm I would just stick with uh, Black Lives Matter because I think that uh, it's a message that uh, we can't forget. Like me and you talked about this, like worrying that this would be like one of those. A social movements that burned bright and burned out quick and you know i you know if i were in the nba i'd want to just you know continue solidarity with solidarity with that struggle so amen love that all right man cool all right nba is back go lakers